0: Hi, Terrence. How's it going?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: All right. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for being on. Of course, so, not. Yeah. Thank you so much. So I want to welcome Terrence Lee to our inaugural show here. And first of all, I just want to thank Terrence for for, uh, for participating. Terrence delivered a great presentation just last month at the Montreal Traders Meetup, where he really shared um, his trading story, his journey, and some of the lessons he's learned along the way. So, in this podcast, we're really going to be diving into these perspectives. Uh, that's kind of the nature of the show: is to hear the perspectives of other traders, and you know, just to, to build out that community of traders here in Montreal. And, and of course, anyone else who's tuning in, you're welcome to, to be part of this community as well. So, thanks again, Terence. So, why don't we just jump right into things and you know, uh, save people from having to listen to me too much? So, as I mentioned already at the meetup, you really shared share with us, you know, your compelling trading story. So, for the listeners out there. Why don't you spend a bit of time telling us again about, you know, how you got started trading? Um, maybe, you know, how you evolved and, and where you're at now through trading.
1: Of course, uh, not a problem. So just bear with me because my story is quite long. So um, I'm a French Canadian born Chinese, and I've always had a, an, a di- an identity crisis. And the reason is because whenever I go on vacation, people ask me, where am I from? Well, I usually reply, I'm from Canada, mm. and they tell me you don't look Canadian. What's your nationality? So that's why I say that I'm a FCBC. And I'm a French Canadian born Chinese, mm. and also in, being in Quebec, a lot of the francophones they ask me where do I come from, even though I'm born in Montreal. And in French, they say "d'où viens-tu," and I say "je viens de la Chine," which is also in uh, the translation in, in French. Um, is in China, uh, but I tell them that you know to Moi, je viens de la Chine, la Chine Québec, because basically in Montreal there's a city called La Chine. So <laughs> I'm actually from there, and I live in that uh, neighborhood, and I don't really come from China. <laughs> so um, growing up, I'm I'm a total geek. You know, I love computer games such as Red Alert 2, Counter Strike. I love card trading games such as Pokemon and Magic the Gathering. And when I turned 18, I was a card counter at the blackjack tables. And being there, I had like a specific routine. And, I, and uh, after I went back to school, I didn't go to the casino anymore because uh, card counting, it's a skill that you need to practice every single day. So if you don't continue it, you'll lose it. Mm. And then I moved on to poker, but I realized that I – don't have the patience for that. Just <laughs> waiting for the cards to come to me. Mm. So uh, I also, also, um, well, if you can't tell, I'm Asian. So I had a bad childhood due to my Asian tiger parents. Mm. And uh, I had a what you call a tiger mom, which is someone who would not validate my emotions and choices mm. and decisions like if it were not her ideals. So I never really developed the self-confidence or the self-esteem Um, you know, that, you know, that my decisions that I made was accepted or validated. Mm -hmm. So in the end, I followed their guidance and I got, uh, um, what you call a bachelor's in bioorganic chemistry degree and also a master's in business administration. But I never trusted educational institution. And -hmm. the reason is because how much of the things that you learn from school, uh, does it apply to work? It's like roughly like 10% or even less. So uh, more or less I was what you call clueless about my existence and I had all the opportunities in the world to be successful. You know I was uh, interning at the United Nations and here in Montreal I was holding down a lot of government jobs but uh, I really despised working after graduation and the reason is because the work that I did was really repetitive. And I feel that if you're not growing, you're dying. So um, after graduation, I also held down uh, three other jobs, which is what I call a night job, a side job, and a personal job. And so I had four jobs in total. And the reason why I had four jobs is uh, because I thought that When you have a lot of money, it brings you more self-esteem and self-confidence, but that's completely BS. Mm. So uh, I started like diving in the stock market in 2010 after deciding uh, that poker was not for me. And I started more or less first as a value investor. And then I moved on to trading because at work, I was so (laughs) bored. I I started to trade. (laughs) Okay. But I also had a childhood dream that I wanted to you know achieve, but uh, one of the m- most monumental moments of my life was seeing death with my own eyes. When I saw my previous girlfriend mother uh, die, she had lung cancer, and uh, she was uh, on her deathbed, and she was at the at the end, just right before her death, she was kind of spewing up all her regrets. Yeah. He was telling her daughter that I shouldn't have never had you. I shouldn't have never married your father. Wow. When I was there, I was just super shocked because I was like, I don't want to live my life that way. When I die, I don't want to have regrets like that. Yeah. So uh, at that point, I took a stand in my life. And I, after more or less of one year, I quit my comfortable uh public sector job to pursue my childhood dream. And what was my childhood dream? Well, um, like during my childhood, I've always loved to dance. I've been dancing for many years. I've been in dance competitions. I've been in dance shows. I battled other people. And I actually opened my uh, very own dance studio, Mm. which is quite interesting, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So um, the reason why I got into dance in the first place was because I don't think uh, I got any validation from my parents. So I searched it mm. for others. Yeah. And that was basically it. And I opened You get instant
0: dance. feedback from dancing, right? The, the dancing gave you the feedback that you can do. Yeah, totally.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. a couple months into my dance business, I knew opening it was just a bad idea. And I failed because every obstacle that came my way, I crumbled. Oh. The marketing aspect of it, to the uh, dealing with clients, to getting clients, and I just couldn't do it. And then what happened was I closed down my studio, and depression hit, and I was—I had suicidal thoughts, and I almost yeah. committed suicide.
0: How um, long ago was this? If you don't mind me asking.
1: Yep, this was approximately six months. Wow. Okay. So quite recent yeah. and uh, at that time I had a lot of side effects. I had, it was hallucinating mm. I had migraines and I was just uh, frantically screaming. Uh, basically I'm not in my body. This is not my reality because right. I couldn't accept, you know, <laughs> my, my own failure. Yeah. So uh, the three concepts uh, more or less that led me to depression was money, shame and identity. The reason why money was such a big issue is that I have uh, immigrant parents and they are penny pinchers. Mm. So whatever, whenever you lose money, uh, you know, I, they get really critical and, you know, they call you stupid or, you know, you should have stuck with your job. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was shame. And um, this is... Uh, I couldn't handle it because my, all my friends were mocking me because they were calling me stupid. Like, you had you were on the path to success and you kind of ruined it or self page, did. Yeah. And the third one was uh, that was really difficult to get over is I had a, this identity issue. And mm-hmm. the reason is because once I failed in my uh, dance business, I I didn't know who I was as a person and I didn't know what the next step was for me. Yeah. So it's it's been really rough, but uh, in the end, I actually had... The opportunity to overcome my depression by journaling every single day uh, to help me solve my inner complexes. And I
0: know about that. So, what was the what was that transition like? How did you move away from that darker place and begin to, you know, to, to get back into a groove where you know you could be productive again and feel good about things?
1: Uh, for me, I um, use what you call uh, smart goals, but Um, the fact that when I was in depression, I was very angry at myself Mm. and I somehow used that anger to push me out of depression because Mm. I was just laying in my bed for 16 hours and always telling myself, why am I in bed? Why am I not doing anything? Why am I not doing anything about to better my situation Yeah, or less? And then I realized that's when I wanted to start journaling in the first place. Yeah. I've always wanted to journal, and I, I feel that a lot of people say that it's very difficult to do, but it's worth it. You'll learn so much about yourself.
0: Yeah, and I, I remember in the WeDev, that was one of your big messages that you are trying to relate to people is the importance of, of understanding yourself, especially as it pertains to, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking trading specifically, but it has so many more, you know, bigger effects than just inside of trading. But as it pertains to trading, is obviously another, it has a really, really big beneficial effect as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So at that time, um, uh, it was in January, I was actually trading while depressed. Yeah. And uh, two months into depression, I hit jackpot. <laughs> it <laughs> tells us about that story. Yeah, it tells about that story. So what does jackpot mean to me? Uh, it means it's a five-figure trade. So I gained uh, five figures. No, I did not make ninety nine thousand dollars or nine hundred ninety nine dollars, but it was approximately ten k.
0: Yeah, so it was a good and trade, not- and that how that helped you. What was what was the you know maybe you could share us the trade and like what kind of you know led you into that trade and then you know what transpired after that jackpot trade. How did that change change you? Of course, what so, so um,
1: yeah. I love uh, bull flags. So I love looking at at stocks that are like super bullish and they just kind of more or less ascend nonstop. It doesn't happen often, but when you get into a particular industry, uh, it's just crazy. So the stock that I traded uh, back then, it was TSGI, which is the Stars Group. Okay. And basically they're the owners of Poker Stars, and also um, they're doing sports betting now. Okay. So uh, at that time, everybody was hyped because uh, we just recently had the World Cup of Soccer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody knew that, you know, in Europe, everybody bets nonstop. Even in Quebec, everybody's playing mise au jour.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And I kind of just caught on to that trend and I, I made a lot of money
0: yeah. yeah. So you caught that out of a bull flag, is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And was it something that you had a, was it a high conviction trade? Or was it the, 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 it was just such a big mover that you made a, a jackpot winning. So what was it like? Did you size up because you were very, you had a high conviction in the trade or did this just take off and you just made a lot of money because it just, you know.
1: No, I actually, uh, I have been kind of analyzing that stock for a long time Yeah, and, uh, it wasn't just conviction. It was just more, uh, the, the fact that I knew that this was, there was so much momentum going into it. Okay. Obviously the rumors that came into it because they're actually expanding into India at this moment.
0: Ah, interesting, okay. And so do you think, did you take on a, a bigger size position than you normally do because of that because of the fact you knew that company well and you had a really good feeling for that uh,
1: for that stock? Uh, I, I didn't really look at that because okay. I was depressed and suicidal. I <laughs> okay. don't care about money anymore. I just oh. dumped my whole life savings in it.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then how, how did you have the, the wherewithal to hold on to that trade t- till, it become a bi- till it became a big winner? You know what? Sometimes people get into big winners and they're so happy to make a bit of money. If they've been losing money for a time that they just take off the winner too quickly before it becomes a big winner. Right. So what allowed you to kind of hold on to that winner so that it became a, a jackpot winner, as you say. So
1: uh, for me, uh, mostly uh, I always trade near, um, you know, when there's a earnings report that's coming, everybody kind of gets very bullish at that point, And yeah. that's, uh, that's at that point where I traded that stock. I see. Okay. Because there was so much news and rumors about it, we mm. were expecting a greater profit.
0: Yeah. So it was a tra- it was a trade going into earnings. Then is that right? Exactly. Ah, okay. Nice. Nice. And so the the stock popped up big after earnings. Is that is what yeah, happened? Up. Then yeah. you take you take off right away. Say thank you. You know. Yeah, I okay.
1: always do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <I> <laughs> <have to.
0: laughs> All right. Nice. Nice. Thanks for sharing that. So, so after that, you hit the jackpot. And then, so, you know, what, tell, me, tell me what happens after that. What, uh, what changed? So, what happened after that?
1: Of course. So I was, you know, super happy. And it was like a, more or less a monumental moment, right? Okay. And then I, I told myself, hey, let's look into, you know, trading even more. Because mm. I just made 10K. And I was like, oh, I must be good at this, right? <laughs> but then um, as I uh, did more trades, I lost 50% of my jackpot um, mm. testing trading strategies. Yeah. And the reason why I lost 50% was because I made the 10K so quick. Yeah. I was very impatient. And I felt that, oh, I can uh, make up for all the money I lost in my failed venture mm. it was 30,000. So I was not patient at all, but I never stopped educating myself in the world of trading after. It kind of gave me something to do yeah. uh, when I was in uh, my depression instead of just laying in my bed and doing nothing at all.
0: Yeah. So uh, like you said, the meetup, I guess trading in a way, it was kind of that light at the end of the tunnel for you, right? They kind of pulled you out of your depression in a way, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I yeah. totally agree.
0: Yeah. And
1: then uh, more or less later on, I constructed a profitable trading strategy. And in March 2018, I decided to pursue trading full-time. Nice. And then uh, I attended my first Montreal Traders Meetup group with yeah. you host, <laughs> in June 2018 while I was still depressed. Yeah. And I gotta say, the Montreal Traders group—it's like my second home. Because uh. Explain to another person of what I, I do because if I s- explain this to a n- normal person, they'll be like, "Huh? So Gambling <laughs> in the stock market?" Yeah, yeah. Uh. And then in uh, by 2018 of July, I made a full recovery and I got out of my depression.
0: Oh, congratulations, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy you're a part of the community and definitely happy that, you know, you're sharing your perspective with us. So, so thanks again. So going back to trading for a second. So, you know, you've kind of shared already, but what have been some of the the bigger lessons that trading has, has you know, has brought to you? Because, you know, we all we all have this. You know, trading is kind of an individual activity we all bring our own baggage to the trading so to speak you know what's kind of been some of the lessons and kind of the insights that you've come across since, since you know you've gotten deeper and deeper into your trading
1: of course so i want to start off by basically telling you guys about the uh, when i started value investing okay I was buying these uh, penny stocks because you know in in the real world We're always trying to get the best for our money, right?
0: Right.
1: And that's why Boxing Day is so popular. (laughs) And people are kind of fighting over merchandise, which I find it's it's ridiculous. (laughs) But it's understandable because many people only have uh, one income, and that's from their job. Hmm. Uh, I guess what I want to say is that in the stock market world, it is very difficult to analyze a worth of a company because it changes every day. And uh, I bought two stocks that actually uh, went bankrupt and became uh, insolvent, which was THQ and National Bank of Greece.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So, also, when I. Uh, learn,
0: what did you I, learn from that? So, when you, those, two, those two went to zero, was
1: that after those two stocks? went to zero. It went to zero. <laughs>
0: okay. Big loss?
1: Okay. Big loss. Because I was just value investing. I was like, uh, you know, crossing my fingers and hoping it would go up. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because, you know, I, I I thought to myself, oh, I got it at such a good value. Yeah. You know, it's going to come up. It's going to come up, even if yeah. it goes down to 10 cents. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it never came up, huh? It never came up.
1: Oh. <laughs> right to Junior? Right? <laughs> <We got it. laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so that's your, that was kind of your experience of value investing is always going to be those, some of those losers where it's going to be, yeah, it will let <laughs> out, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then so, I,
0: Yeah. Do you, um, so that's not a knock on value investing. So do you, do you believe that maybe you don't have the personality for value investing or is that value investing difficult as an endeavor or what's your perspective about value investing?
1: Um, the thing is, uh, with value vet investing, everybody's just trying to, you know, like, especially right now, everybody's doesn't want to buy kind of peak growth corporation. They want to buy the kind of the penny stocks which is um, T-God or uh, Aurora yeah. or um, Afria, And yeah. they don't have the same market cap as Canopy Growth Corporation, and they don't have the, the same resource as them. So I don't see why they sh- should buy into the company because I think Canopy is going to kind of crush all of them. And I think they're just going to be like me, and they'll lose all their money <laughs> when they value invests.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So tell us more about your approach then. So, you know, it sounds like you're more likely to go after the, I guess, the, the high, higher flying names, the guys who are showing better momentum, better growth. Yes. Um, so tell us more about your trading approach. How would you describe it? And, you know, categorize or share this what you typically do on a regular day in day out basis.
1: So uh, from my, so from, so from what I learned from my value investing right now, when I'm trading, I only uh, trade, market, uh, market leaders. I only touch those stocks because they're like the safest one. They won't go down to zero. They won't become bankrupt. And there's, I believe there's such a, there's, there's such, there's a much more of a safety net than compared to like penny stocks or some, something that's in the same sector. Yeah. And, and the fact that when you're trading market leaders, um, they are much more predictable in comparison to penny stocks.
0: Yeah, and so what? Do you, what's your approach then? So, what do you typically do? Do you swing trade them? Do you day trade them? You know, if you day trade them or swing trade them, how active are you? Do you get in and out quite often, or do you once you find a trend, you you tend to hang on as long as you can? What's What's your approach?
1: So, I uh, at the moment uh, in this market, I'm more of a swing trader and a day trader. Okay. And uh, for me, uh, when I day trade, I kind of just look at the resistance points and also the support lines. Yeah. And uh, when I swing trade, it's just uh, I tr- use three indicators, which is the MACD, the simple moving average, and the exponential moving average. Okay. So I really like, believe in the 3S, which is sexy, simple, and sleek. <laughs> okay, so simple because you're using easy indicators that you understand. Yeah, uh, sexy that because of the chart <laughs> has to look sexy and sleek yeah. is basically um, that it needs enough uh, volume for you to trade it.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and so let me go back a bit. So, you know, it's currently October 20th, so you said you're mostly swing trading and, and day trading stocks in this current environment what's unique about this environment that, that causes you to do that? So what do you mean by this environment for those folks who may be listening to this?
1: Yeah, know, of course. Time. Yeah. Well, so, uh, at the moment, uh, the market is so choppy. If I'm not mistaken, uh, last week we had like, a, or th- was it this week? We had a 8% drop on the spy. Um, you know, if you were holding long, you would have lost a lot of money, but uh, I still think that the market now is still bullish. And uh, we will need to wait until next week to confirm that.
0: Okay. So because the markets are a little more volatile now, you tend to be a little quicker on the draw to make sure you're not getting caught up in some of these names.
1: I think that's really important because um, you need to have to learn all the strategies, whether it's a holding long, uh, swing trading, day trading, because the market is very dynamic and you don't know uh, what's going to happen. And every time something happens, you have to change your strategy.
0: Yeah. And so what do you say to those folks, you know, who have been investing in these marijuana stocks for some time now? And, uh, and how do you adjust, you know, like, how do you time that? Let's say you're like, you know, more of a, a longer term guy. How do you adjust that and say, oh, you know, maybe I bought Tilray or CGC at, at lower prices, you know, do they sell out? You know, do they close their positions and start to trade more actively? Or like, because if you started, at a lower price point, you just sit back and say, okay, I'm just going to sit through this volatility. you have any ideas around that?
1: So uh, the, the thing with uh, value investing, uh, most people have a full-time job, and it's hard for them to get out of the trade while they are working. Sure, uh, I, I tried to do it, but I was paranoid as hell because I was <laughs> scared of my boss walking in and see and see that I'm actually trading and I'm not
0: these charts on your screens.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Right. I'm afraid that I'm going to get fired in a way. Yeah. So, um, it's very difficult, like to, to actually say, um, I would trade on if you're like a long-term investor, I would trade on the news. So recently we kind of, uh, we, we kind of legalized weed I would trade up until that point, and I would sell it the day before just to be more risk averse.
0: Yeah, yeah, And that's kind of the way it played out, right? People kind of sold the news when it came out, and yeah, yeah the last exactly. couple. of It years.
1: happens all the time. So yeah.
0: that's that's a great great uh, lesson there, is right? Buy the rumor, sell the news. Yeah, uh, had you held some of these names for the past couple of days, you probably you know you lost a lot of money, right?
1: It's funny, it, it, people actually, you know, on the day of legalization, they. Yeah in in the morning
0: and I was like, yeah, that is, it's, it's so funny. Some of these patterns, right? It's just, unfortunately like the retail trader tends to, to buy at the worst times when you have the most media hype. It's probably the, when you want to be getting out of the trade and not getting into a trade for the first time. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a very good lesson for folks out there. So, so tell us more about your trading. So, um, do you trade, uh, all day long? Um, do you trade only certain times during the day? What's kind of your sweet sweet spot uh, as pertains to your trading approach?
1: Um, so I'm uh, I'm not quite of a obsessive guy. Okay. So when I get into something, um, I'm like, you know, I put all my attention into it. So um, even if I'm not trading, I'm still looking at the market and I'm looking at certain stocks because um, most of the time for me as a trader, I like to trade things that I know and each stock or each company has its own personality and knowing its personality, I feel that I can make a lot of money off of that, especially day trading. Okay. Because it reacts a certain way during a certain time and it ha- always happens.
0: Mm. So do you typically watch like a basket of stocks or do you just trade whatever's kind of flying or it's kind of a high flyer that, that day or that session?
1: No, I have a list of stocks that i it's like my go-to list. I don't okay. uh, i don't screen my, my stocks at all or I yeah. check the percentage of the movements. I just trade stocks that I know.
0: Okay. And how big of a list do you typically track? How, how many stocks is
1: that? It, it's not much because I'm on the Canadian side, so I okay. trade uh, mostly Canadian stocks. And that's Absolutely. why I don't trade the U.S. side because mm. – um, <laughs> when you trade it on the US side, for me, it's like information overload. Yeah. There's too much for me to concentrate on. Yeah. So i rather stick to a simple market, which is the Toronto Stock Exchange. Yeah. And also, you can always get you know a company, basically like, uh, like Canopy Gold, uh, per- Corporation. It's in Canada, and yeah. it's also listed on the New York Stock Exchange. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the point. You're basically trading the same thing.
0: Yeah. And so, so, how many how many uh, symbols do you think are on your watch list? Like half a dozen, a dozen, maybe more than I would
1: say uh, around twenty five or so.
0: Okay, cool. And then, how do you keep your eye on those twenty five? Do you you have some sort of systematic approach where you review those companies on a regular basis, or do you look at the charts on a regular basis? What's the your method that you use to to make sure that you know you're kind of keeping on the pulse of those twenty five stocks?
1: Um, yeah. So I have. Uh, Charts uh, are surround surrounding me, so I yeah. actually use uh, my desktop, my laptop, my two tablets. Yeah, so I, I'm like fully loaded. Yeah, it's
0: all around. It's all over here. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, uh, and so do you just do like um, if you could share your process? Is it like a daily thing you do to review all 25? Symbols? Is it like a weekly process where you, you know, do a deeper dive? Like what's, what's your kind of approach to keeping on top of those 25 symbols? Uh,
1: for me, it's just, um, seeing the, uh, especially in the morning, uh, I always check the, uh, how much percentage it has moved, whether it's up or down. Okay. And, then, uh, mostly those stocks uh, have a higher interest. I'm more interested in them because they have greater volatility.
0: Gotcha. So for the intraday trading basis, you're kind of looking for the guys who are popping up or popping down. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. And um, so, when you talk talk about your talk about your day trading for a second, um, do you how many trades you typically take in a day? If you like, if, if, if I could ask.
1: Yeah. Of course. Uh, sometimes it's just two. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's ten to fifteen. Okay. So yeah. I'm I'm quite active.
0: Yeah. And I then
1: say that I don't even take a trade.
0: Oh, uh, that's, that's, yeah. I think that's challenging for a lot of traders, right? Because like you said, like, especially if you trade American markets, there's thousands of symbols that you could be trading. And then most traders, especially, you know, uh, the ones who are having our time are probably trading too much, right? They don't, they don't know how not to take trades. It's like, yeah, you know, there's exactly. so many symbols. It's like, how do you not see trades everywhere? So yeah. how do you do it? So uh, one way is obviously, cause you have a smaller watch list, you only get 25 and you kind of focus on those 25. How do you do it so that, you know, you're not overtrading? How do you do it so that on some days, like you said, you take zero trades and you're okay with that. What are you looking at to say, okay, I'm not trading today. What's uh, what's going on in your head or what are you seeing? That's allowing you to say, okay, I'm going to sit on my hands and do nothing.
1: Yeah. Uh, so in the beginning uh when I got market data, I was over trading because I was actually trading on the one minute charts. Okay, okay. And uh I'll
0: give you a lot of signals, so yeah.
1: <laughs> you get signals all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and it's crazy. Um I think um so what I do is uh from nine thirty when the market opens to ten o'clock, I'm on the two minute chart. Okay. And as the day progresses uh, after 10 o'clock, I change it to the five-minute chart and the four-hour chart. And that's how I go about basically kind of seeing if I should uh, take a trade or not. So okay. more, uh, more on the slower side by yeah. trading on the five-minute chart instead of the one-minute chart.
0: Sure. And so for your intraday trades, um, uh, can you describe like maybe like an example of a pattern that you look for that, uh, that you might trade? Is it a combination of the indicators that you use? Or are you looking at price action or a combination of those things to get you into into trades?
1: Yep. So I mostly look at uh, price actions and the pattern that has occurred uh, over the week. Because uh, there's a lot of stocks that have the same pattern every every two days or you know, every three days. And okay. if it looks similar, uh, I would just get into it. I'm confident that it would either be a good trade if I go short or if I go long. And okay. I told you about weed, right? Just yesterday yeah. or the day before, it was just the exact same pattern, and it kind of just fell all the way down. And everybody, yeah, did.
0: that was a great trade. Yeah, you and I were just a, to talk actually on Friday afternoon, and then we got on the call to, to, to start our interview. And then I, you know, I asked Jay, hey, "Is it a good time to talk?" And we say, "I, it was a good time, but now it looks like you know, <laughs> weed is falling apart." I said, I, "You know, I said, hey, let's reschedule this call because
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> first, right then." It's funny because I ended up taking the same short as you did after <laughs> you told me that. And I'm like, oh, I see a good pattern too. So what was that pattern that you saw there? So you, saw, you said that you, you saw a similar thing happen earlier in the week. Uh, what yeah. kind of short – because it was a short, obviously, because CGC and, and weed were going down um, on Friday, uh, October the 19th. So what was that pattern? What did that look like to you?
1: So it was just the exact same uh, pattern uh, in the morning. So it had the exact same shape and the it just kept on going down. Yes, it bounced back a couple of times, but uh, the day before it occurred. So you could have, you know, shorted it, went long a little bit, and then shorted again yeah. just until the end, until the indicators tell you to to get out of the position.
0: Yeah. Good one. Good one. So what do you, so let's that's, that's like, change gears for a second. Let's talk more about the trading, but maybe a different, slightly different approach. So, What's, um, what has helped you most in terms of uh, um, advancing and developing your trading? So wh- tell us maybe about your learning process and how you, you know, how you try to constantly get better with your trading. What do you do and what does that process look like?
1: So uh, how I learned, especially in the beginning, is yeah. uh, I watch YouTubers who actually day trade online. Okay. And one of them is called, um, I'm not sure if you know, it's, he, his name is Mir Barak. He's like the hmm. owner of TradeNet.
0: Okay. I don't know that name.
1: Yeah. He's a momentum uh, trader and uh, he, he makes a lot of money. Uh, he's like, he makes like 300K a year and uh, he's, he's like, in the, he, he's been in the game for like 10 years or so. So whenever he gets in, into a trade, he doesn't really tell you what he sees. It's, he just shows you, right? Okay. So it was very difficult in learning from him in the beginning, yeah. but there are other guys that I've uh, learned from. Uh, one of them is uh, he, his name is called Ricky Gutierrez.
0: Okay.
1: He's from Arizona. Oh. He's in his 20s. He's like a millionaire and he's a conservative trader. Okay. Uh, the third uh, person that I follow is Garen Phillips. I
0: don't know that name either. That's, that's really neat. So
1: Garen Phillips, uh, he's uh, pretty much a new trader. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, a month ago he blew up his account, and everybody saw it. And Ouch. and from that, you know, you can learn so much from them because he mm-hmm. goes over his emotional state, what he yeah. should have done, and what he could have done. Even though, if you are an advanced trader, you can always learn from someone's mistake. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. And for me, uh, I use uh Ricky Gutierrez method of trading okay. because. He has established a winning strategy and what I do is that I modify it to my own, to my own personality and to my own patience. Yeah. And with that, I think uh, you will have a greater winning percentage in the market.
0: Nice. That's so, such a neat thing, right? Because the YouTube, um, you know, YouTube gives you just so much information, right? There's so many opportunities to learn from, like you said, like other traders. It's really fascinating to see that, you know, you've kind of taken these three traders and you kind of modeled yourself after some of their methods and. You kind of made it your own, right? That's kind of one was one of your in one of your messages in the meetup was the importance of kind of understanding yourself, and then, as you said here, changing that trading method to make sure it fits you, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's a really uh, powerful lesson there. Um, so what else? So how do you? So that's kind of for, for new traders. That's yeah. how you can learn maybe some of the. That's how you can kind of learn the ropes how do you get better? What's, what's, uh, what's one of your, you know, processes that you you use to say, all right, if I'm not trained so well, if I, you know, if I need to, to, you know, to get better things, what's, what's kind of things do you do?
1: Yeah. So this is where the trading journal comes in mm, yeah. and it's uh, very effective. You always have to ask yourself, why did you get into the trade? What did you see? Because only by documenting it, you'll learn from your mistakes. So what I do is before I get into a trade, I write down my emotions, I told myself why I got into the trade. And then when I'm actually in the trade, I I write down my emotions again and how I feel about it. You know, sometimes when you get into the trade, it could, you know, it can go against you. And I kind of sort of write down my emotions. And then when I'm getting out of my trade, I also write down my emotions. So I document every part of the trade from the beginning to the middle to the end. And with that, uh, you'll learn a lot about you, yourself because there are some times when you kind of doubt yourself in a way and you kind of have to stop that from happening when you want to execute uh, your trading plan.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so do you find the process of documenting helpful and or is it the the process of reviewing those things after the trade to be helpful? So is it the fact that you're getting it out while you're trading that's useful or and or is it... You know, after the fact, you're like, okay, I was, you know, if I look back at that trade, I can see clearly that I was, you know, not in the right state of mind or, you know, I was in a great state of mind. Is it that review process that's really good for you? Or is it more like getting it out to make sure that's not stuck in your head and, and you know, maybe interfering? Uh,
1: in for me, it's process. really the uh, review process. Okay. And um, the reason is because, you know, in life, we have other things that's happening, right? Yeah. Uh, Whether, well, you know, some bad things can happen, like, you know, you break your leg, you know, you have a divorce, you know, your, uh, you had a fight with your friend and all that, it can really show up when you're actually trading and it can yeah. really affect your emotions. Yeah. So by documenting and putting down on a piece of paper, you are actually kind of releasing those emotions, those negative emotions that you have that can actually you know affect your trading.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's very valuable. I think it's a great practice. I think it's uh, a couple of things. I think like number one, Um, I think a lot of times when I see people trade, they're unconscious about a lot of things, right, when they're trading. So like you said, there's a lot of things that are running around in their heads um, that are probably affecting our performance, right? Sometimes, you know, not sometimes, but lots of times, you know, the previous trade can definitely bleed into a current trade. So if you lost money in a previous trade, it can definitely affect this trade because you may have some negative self-talk that's going on or that kind of stuff. Likewise, you could have had a really great trade before that, and that could also bleed into your next trade. And sometimes it's not not always positive, right? Maybe you're a little bit too much of a risk taker now because you just made a, a really good trade and, you know, it's not uncommon for some people who make really good trades to so then make a really crappy trade afterwards because they feel so confident that they're actually a bit overconfident and they're taking a little too many risks and, the, you know, the, the, the A setup is not there in terms of quality. Um, yeah.
1: or, or even when you sometimes rush into a trade, yeah. you don't know why, right? That's like exactly. the work.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think it's harder to do if you take lots of trades too, right? Like if you're taking like... 10, 20 trades a day. And it's really kind of really hard to kind of get all those things out of your head on paper, right? Like,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: You're trading so much that it's hard to do. So if you trade a lot, then, you know, then I think one of those things you got to think about is number one, what am I trading so much, right? Like that's, it's hard to, to trade a lot because you know, you, you have to have really good mental control and emotional control or regulation when uh, you're trading that often. Cause you need your, you know, you're, you just have to be dialed in and not have any of that stuff kind of hold you back. And number two is just, you know, I think a lot of people just are very unaware of the, that talk track that's going on constantly.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: And you know, if you, if you work by yourself in a, in a room by yourself, then it's easy to do. And I was writing people doing it. It's just to, you know, to talk out loud. If you can't write down stuff, like that's a really good activity or a really good process to write things down. If you can't do that, you no, know, I, I do advocate that. If you can't, then just talk out loud, right? Say, okay, I'm getting to this trade. I'm feeling this way. Like I'm feeling a little bit hesitant because I lost in that last trade. And you know, I'm, I'm kind of feel like a jerk right now. You know, kind of hit myself right now because I did that. And, you know, just verbalizing that, right, you're not going to get the the positive benefit of being reviewed afterwards, but at least you can hear yourself talk about it and say, oh, I didn't realize I had that, you know, that negative self-talk going on. And just by verbalizing it, right, you're like, okay, you're getting it out there and it's not getting, uh, you know, it's not uh, kind of um, –
1: yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, self-development and trading is really interconnected. Mm-hmm. And what has helped me the most is actually taking self-development courses. Mm. Recently, I, um, I learned uh, what you call, it's called uh, neuro-linguistic programming.
0: Sure, NLP.
1: Yeah, NLP, which is basically, um, you know, all, what all the successful people do in using uh, imagery techniques in uh, doing power poses and just improving themselves uh, every single day. Mm -hmm. And I took this course uh, in Montreal from uh, Darren Miller and it has changed my trading completely because you become more confident and you throw all the, all those, those negative imageries that you have in your head in the back and you will get into the trade with conviction. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So then, you know, this leads right into the next question. So how important do you think is, uh, is trading psychology.
1: I think it's basically the, the it's number 1 because I think if you don't have trading psychology or if you're not uh, competent in it, I think uh, you'll lose a lot of money. I think especially for trading, if we use the 80 per, uh, 80% 20% rule, yeah. uh, I think 80% is trading psychology and 20% is actually the skill because We're just bombarded with so many things every single day and, you know, being in this world and having social media and all that, we're just comparing ourselves too much. And we shouldn't do that because what's happening is you're actually degrading yourself and you should actually just focus on yourself. It doesn't matter if someone's making a million dollars or whatever, but when you do it yourself and you trust yourself, you'll, you'll just have more confidence in you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great words, man. And you're just gonna have more fun doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like because you trust yourself and you're using your own techniques instead of yeah. someone else's. Yeah, you personalize yeah. it.
0: Yeah, and the fact that you're not always comparing yourself and you know setting a unrealistic, unrealistic benchmark. Yeah, um, then yeah, it just, the process just becomes yours and it just becomes more fun. So yeah. So what? Um, so let's say someone right now is is, is having. Um, psychological issues and say, okay, maybe, maybe I, I'm having issues with, you know, FOMO, or maybe I'm having issues with, um, you know, like you said, confidence. What would you recommend to a person who or a trader who has, you know, those types of, um, uh, um, you know, struggles?
1: Yeah. So, uh, like I said before, you should, uh, take some self-development classes. And what I have right now is, uh, is that I have a life coach and that, because after I went through depression, I wanted to change my life and to better, my way of thinking because when you're depressed, you know, you just have a negative thought process. Mm, yeah. By having a life coach, uh, you kind of delete all the mental blocks that you have in your mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, one of the mental blocks that I had in my mind about trading was that I thought you had to be like super rich. You have to be super smart, super intelligent, witty and all that. But that's not true. Anybody can get into trading and uh, just, you know, just every day, if you work on yourself, you'll be surprised at what you'll be able to accomplish.
0: Okay. If
1: you want to talk about confidence, yeah, in order to get confidence, you have a, to have a certain competency and kind of try things, like try new trading strategies. Yeah. And if you're not capable of doing that, then uh, I don't think your confidence will ever grow.
0: Hmm. So those two are kind of very tightly intertwined, huh? Yeah. So... Yeah, the activity of becoming more competent will give you more confidence. Yes. Yeah. So um, what else would you offer someone like that? So I really do believe, like you said, how we do anything is how we do everything. So it sounds like you're a real big advocate of, okay, if you struggle in trading, then you probably have some struggles that are outside of trading, and you need to kind of address that. Like maybe it's it's a life. You know, it's not just trading. and That's all, you know, they're kind of blended together think about things that are maybe that you're having struggles with in life. And maybe that could be things that, that's hold back in your training. Is that your, your idea?
1: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, even it doesn't have to be trading. Like, you know, if you had a, a fight with your wife, you know, mm. when you go to work, you're going to be in a shitty mood, right? Yeah. You're yeah. Be more angry and you're going to be more tense. It's, yeah. It's the same thing. Everything can affect us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good one, man. So, um, that's a. Let's begin to wrap things up here. So, you know, you gave us a few resources already um, in terms of, you know, some traders that you follow. Um, are there any other trading books or resources that, that, you know, that you found valuable in your journey that you would recommend to other traders?
1: Um, yes. So um, I actually read this one book. It's not a trading book, but it's a more of a financial independence book. Okay. It's called Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robbins. Okay. So that, have you heard of it? No, I have not. Yeah.
0: Uh, we all these new resources today, which are awesome. I've not heard them, so I'll them all <laughs> Great. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Yeah. So uh, that book was what actually propelled me to uh, trade full-time. Hmm. And the reason is because um, in the book, it described very thoroughly about the many associated costs and risks of working a normal 9-to-5 job. Yeah. So, for example, you know, if you get like uh, your yearly salary is 50K – and uh, you know you have to work uh, work eight hours a day. You're not really considering the transportation time that it sure. takes for you to go to work and yeah. uh, go back home, right? So you might not be making twenty five dollars an hour, and you might be making like nineteen dollars an hour because yeah. those are the associated costs and risks. Also, most people that work in the office, you know, if they type too much, they get tendinitis or when they sit too long, they get back pains. Sure. And and you know all these things can happen, especially stress. Right? Yeah. Uh, it can affect you, and you mean, you might need to see a psychologist. And then there are other things, such as the social aspect uh, at work, where you don't really want to interact with your <laughs> colleagues. <but> you <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you know you need to work on your team building skills or whatever, sure. and, the, and the boss forced you to. Yeah. And sometimes you just don't want to go to those Christmas parties at work,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> So and, um, that, book, that book motivated you to, to look at other other avenues, huh? Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, nice. I yeah, I have another uh, a book. It's yeah. uh, it's more of a trading book that okay. I would recommend, and that's uh, that book is called uh, "Trade Like the Casino" by Richard Roisman. Okay, yeah, that's a great book. Yeah, I, I loved it because you're basically you know measuring your risk reward ratio and you're actually playing the house in the stock market instead of the casino uh, playing the house. Right. So I would enjoy that book. But uh, I would recommend, especially beginners or even advanced people, to read uh, technical analysis books. Because when I, it was like a, the book that I read was 600 pages, and yeah. the author just listed more or less all the technical analysis or the patterns that he saw. Yeah. I read it and I was like, oh, maybe, you know, this will help me in the future, but it did not help me at all. So you yeah. really have to find books that you connect with and that you can resonate with yeah. so that you'll actually finish reading the book instead of <laughs> it on the side.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely a good point, man, because there's a big difference between simply knowing a pattern and actually being able to trade it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, you see a lot of folks who are maybe they're they're kind of overweighted in information and they don't actually have enough uh, experience to actually use that or use it effectively
1: for sure
0: yeah so that's a very good point there's a real big difference there um so i really enjoyed our conversation today um any last maybe um uh tips or or any other pieces of advice you'd like to give someone who's maybe you know um interested in this trading in the trading thing but maybe you know is, is a little bit um um maybe newer to the game what would you give to them as a as a, a starting point where would, where would you give them should they You know, start with books, videos, you know, what would you, you know, since you've kind of been through the, you know, the beginning stages and, you know, you've gone to the full time trading thing, you know, what's kind of the path you would recommend people take?
1: Um, For me, it's just, uh, just doing it. Mm -hmm. So even if it means risking your money and the fact that when you you do it, you kind of get the whole aspect of it. When you do it, like, instead of basically paper trading and doing it live, Yeah the whole emotional aspect of it and you might learn that maybe trading is not for you and mm. maybe also in the future uh, that might change because that's what happened to me because i was a value investor previously and now i went to you know full-time training yeah and yeah so for me it's like if you don't try you'll never know and you'll never get exposed to these type of things
0: yeah and just by stepping in and right you can take getting your feet wet that's the only way you can Begin to figure yeah. out who you are and, you know, what's what's going to resonate with you in your trading, right? Yeah. So great message, man. So I just want to thank you again for your time today, Terrence. You know, it was really nice to, uh, you know, to catch up with you and uh, to talk with you further. Uh, if people liked, you know, what you talked about today, where can people find out more about you? Where can they follow you? Where can they find you online?
1: Yes, of course. So uh, I concentrate most of my efforts on my self-discovery blog at www.millennialspath.com where I write about three topics, depression, lifestyle, and finance, which also includes trading. All my social media links are there, such as YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I also offer a consultation service, such as life coaching, stock trading, and financial planning. And I have just recently finished uh, writing my ebook titled, Using Your Anger to Conquer Depression, and it will build it will be released uh, at the end of the year and hopefully in 2019, I will start writing a trading book. Wow.
0: That's lots of stuff on your plate, man. So, yes. so, you know, really happy to hear that. So once again, thanks so much for, for, for being on our first show, man. You uh, really enjoy your story and I hope everyone who listens to this also gets uh, as much as I got out of, out of uh, our competition today.
1: Yeah. Thank you for You're having welcome,
0: me today. Man. You're very welcome. So have a great night and thanks everyone for tuning in today. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. See ya.